sort of like computer dating, you know, because I ask you all these details and then I match you up with somebody that agrees with a lot of the same details. I'm going to ask you some very intimate questions about your sex life. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, well. <laughs> I was looking at this list of 90s porn, like I guess I bookmarked it. Yeah. And uh, Taboo 9 came out in 1991. Well, they, they went through a lot of taboos. Yeah, they really... Uh, they really upped the production, like the speed of them. They turned them out like Marvel films. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, we don't have to get taboo this week. No, thankfully, well, not quite taboo. Things do get a little taboo. But the word, um, I think, kind of the opposite of a taboo, a fantasy, would better describe uh, this week's film. Little show-offs. Yes, so uh, welcome to the Raincoat Report. This is Boss here with Jeremy. Well, you know who else is a little show-off? Who? Those, um, like, little kids that are smart. Like, gifted kids. Okay. They're a little show-offs, and I'm sick of those baby Einsteins. <laughs> I don't think kids should be too smart. They should have a meager understanding of the world until they're about seven. And then they can start learning. If you're too smart before that, what are you going to learn in school? <laughs> you're just going to be stuck there. I guess so. They're going to make you read Beowulf. That sounds awful. No, it was fine. Oh, okay. I wasn't gifted, but I've read Beowulf. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I had to wait till high school because I wasn't gifted. Right. Yeah. So, uh, little show-offs. Those are... Like, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Like, that kind of thing. <laughs> I just don't, you know, I don't like little nerds. That's what they should call them. <laughs> well, thankfully, this movie isn't about little nerds. Okay, good. Uh, so, this is uh, a film directed by Zachary Strong. Uh, and also directed uh, in an uncredited role by Kurt McDowell. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, both of these names are names that we've come across before. Mm -hmm. uh, Zachary Strong notably directed the uh, delightful low-budget romp, uh, Confessions of a Teenage Peanut Butter Freak. Yes, and uh, Kurt McDowell, of course, part of the McDowell Brothers, and uh, Thundercrack. Yes. <laughs> They're great, the great magnum opus. Yes, one of, one of the great adult films. All the way back on episode 10. Yes, we that episode was like two and a half hours long. It was as long as the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, all our episodes used to be really long, though. I don't. We we. Uh, I don't know if you cut back on your note taking. I don't know if we. Uh, we kind of talked like a bunch of porn stories early on, and we don't do that as much anymore because you know, kind of, you kind of run out of them. You kind of don't do as much research. Yeah, we've kind of settled into our niche. Back then, I was working from home in the pandemic and also not having to do a lot of work while I was working at home. Yeah. So it gave me the opportunity to do a lot more research. And yeah, like same. Yeah. When I wasn't. Try a lot harder. Yeah. When I wasn't working, I could find out um, if stars were living or dead or somewhere in between. <laughs> um, now I'm lucky if I get the 20 minutes a week 
it takes me to put together our damn Insta our damn Instagram post. <laughs> Fair it take, enough. It takes longer now because Spotify fucked with their software. I used to just copy paste it straight from there, the description. Uh-huh. Now I can't. It was a nightmare. And you sent me a link and I couldn't copy it from there. I had to track down some like fourth party site where we have a uh, we have a score. Oh, okay. It's good. It's a good score? Yeah, we're S tier. Oh shit. Yeah. We're one of the top podcasts in the world per this site. Well, I like that site. Yeah, I don't remember which one it is, but uh shout out to them. Yeah. I'll have to find it again to make next week's episode. <laughs> uh or I guess this one. Even, uh, and last week's. Yeah. That's the future now. The future is now and also in the past. The future is um, a process of constantly becoming. It's uh, its roots are seated in the present and always growing. The roots of the future are in the past. Yeah. Um, all history is uh, contingent. That's what I learned in college. That's the only thing I learned. I don't remember what it means. But I know that history is bad for you. <laughs> you shouldn't learn from it. Because then you'll get ideas. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't want people to get ideas. <laughs> no. Unless that idea is to uh, make a fun little uh, experimental porno film. Yeah. So, uh, in little show-offs, we get introduced to several people uh who tell us about their sexual fantasies and we get to see each of them kind of in a vignette where they explore those to an extent to an extent we see interviews conducted by kurt mcdowell Mm -hmm. again uh one of the brains behind thundercrack the delight that that is yes and notably the the interviews are in black and white yes much like thundercrack Oh, yeah. 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 Um, the cast here, uh, there's a lot of people in the cast that are only in this movie. As you would expect, to be honest. But uh, there is one person who stood out to me because I immediately recognized them. And then I went back and checked their IMDb. Who uh, was that? That was Lily Marlene, who is in the uh, motorcycle segment. And uh, was also in the Young Like It Hot. Okay. Her name had a, a faint ring to it. So she was one of those uh, those telephone girls. Yeah, she was the one who uh, didn't have sexual experience and uh, hypatiently took her aside and oh, yeah. went down on her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... What a good boss. She... <laughs> She uh, did a lot more for her team than I ever did as a supervisor. That's yeah, for well, sure. This was back in the eighties before the economy had been like completely like crushed and like uh Oh yeah. Financialized. So like you used to be able to, you know, like you could connect with your workers, you know, you could take them aside and have a private meeting that uh wouldn't get reported to HR. <laughs> yeah, this was before trickle down economics had really uh dismantled the middle class yeah it used to be like yeah because everyone used to have offices they could fuck and now you're lucky if your cubicle isn't just like plexiglass where you just sit there and look like an ape in a cage yeah yeah you know (laughs) well uh so yeah little show-offs it's a 
it's a short, low-budget deal. Again, not much star power to it, but uh, it's interesting and experimental, and we'll talk about it a bit more here. Yeah, I guess we will. But first, we will take a break where I uh, take a break. Okay, so we'll be back to talk a little bit more about Little Show-Offs. kind of men do you prefer? Any physical type? No, I really don't even care if a man's in shape or not. No? No, it doesn't what's matter. Your, what's the appeal of a man? Uh, I don't know. Maybe something perverse. <laughs> Zachary Strong's last two films were Cycle Sluts and Cycle Sluts 2. Does Cycle Sluts 2 have a, uh, like a subheader? Uh, it does not. In fact, it's Cycle Sluts 1 and Cycle Sluts 2. Oh, they probably put him, he probably made him back to back. Probably. Yeah, he probably made him the same weekend. I would uh, call it um Cycle Sluts 2, uh Cycle Sluts ride again. <laughs> but he uh he took a break from 1987 to 1995 before he made those last films. Uh and he died on May 1st, 2023. So oh, that, wow. was, that was Recently, fairly recent. Yeah. He's uh, he's up there in the sky now. The wheel in the sky keeps on turning. He's in uh, who died? Zachary Strong. Oh, okay, good. Wait, uh, well, you know, he's uh, fucking a jar of peanut butter in heaven now. <laughs> yes, yes, he with is the, with the angels. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so little show offs opens with some jazzy music and some. Shots of interview segments uh, and some other shots from later in the film. Lots of like behind-the-scenes shots as we get our brief credits. But we're quickly introduced to our first segment called Music Master. This features Cindy, uh, who is Cindy Carver, Renee, Renee Lovins, and Paul, played by Jeff Lyle. In the front seat of a car, we see a couple of ladies, being our Cindy and Renee, holding hands. We cut to some interview shots of the ladies talking about discovering that they liked girls. Back in the scene, the ladies walk into a weird building with a bunch of sci-fi paintings on the walls. Yeah, it's some sort of uh, futuristic disco. Yeah. They mention it's nice that Paul's letting them use this place. We get more interviews of all three people in this scene talking about their fantasies. Paul likes to tie women up. The ladies like imagining taking giant cocks. In the scene, Paul greets the ladies. Renee asks Paul if he did all of this decor himself. He says he's been working on this club for two years. Renee says it's nice that he's letting them use the place. Then Paul introduces the music master. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, a complicated jukebox right out of uh, Frankie Loves Johnny. Frankie and Johnny were lovers. No, it's Frankie Loves Johnny. Okay. Sorry, I found a 2B station that, or not uh, a, not 2B, a Pluto station that just plays Happy Days in the spinoffs. Oh, okay. And that's, my mind has been warped uh, <laughs> in the past couple of weeks. Uh, 
I've been watching the they've got they've been playing some of the later episodes after our, uh, Richie leaves. Uh huh. Ron Howard. And uh, the Fonz and Joni become sort of the main characters, and they work it in uh, like a tough inner city school full of like you know like little Guidos and stuff. <laughs> okay. And there's one where he has to go before the school board for hitting a kid. <laughs> <laughs> he beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, and everyone cheered. <laughs> he was it was kind of like a Death Wish moment. He's like, do we want our schools to be run by these thugs, and criminals? <laughs> But we want it to be for the good boys who want to learn. <laughs> it's not really the Fonz, but you get the idea. Um, sorry, I'm, like I said, my brain's cooked. Uh, so yeah, Paul introduces them to the Music Master, a large machine there, yeah. uh, jukebox-ish. Joni loves Chachi, that's how I got off, just to make sure okay. we understand. Uh, Renee asks if it works, and he tells them that the Music Master can make a woman's fantasies come true. Cindy warns Renee that if she shows too much interest in Paul, he's going to fuck her brains out like he did to Cindy's sister. Uh, Paul has made his way off before they had that conversation. But then they hit the power button on the Music Master and 80s electronic music starts playing as smoke drifts out. We cut to a disco ball and the ladies are now dancing in black outfits in front of a mirror. Uh... This goes on for a few minutes, and we can definitely see the cameraman in the mirror in one of the shots. Renee sits down on a table, and Cindy continues to sway as she starts to rub Renee's legs. They start to softly make out, and Renee lays back, and the ladies expose each other's chests and rub each other's breasts. The ladies finish undressing, and Cindy starts going down on Renee. Uh, I think the chorus to the song that's playing in the background is computer love over and over again yeah. it's kind of amazing yeah um i'm not sure if that's a maybe that's like a craft work song that's the sort of song they like they yeah. like to write about how much fun computers are that makes sense yeah they are just a bunch of germans who think they're robots and um i saw them fucking a machine <laughs> and they made a baby out of it oh and the baby winked at me oh <laughs> your brain is warped yeah. <laughs> After a bit, Cindy straddles Renee's face, and Renee eats her out from below as she plays with herself. We move on to the lady 69ing for a bit. We cut to a shot of the two holding each other and making out, and then cut to Paul watching them as we get a bunch of beeping sound effects from the music machine. It is a fantastic machine. I like... Uh, the Music Master, rather. Well, it is a machine. Yes, but it is a machine. I do like that uh, to turn it on, she just presses what she thinks is the power button, and then a bunch of smoke starts to pour out. Yeah. <laughs> but that apparently worked. Uh, but uh, I love it. I love yeah. technology. We get some cutaways to another woman dancing, but we see Paul undress, and Renee starts to suck his cock as Cindy sort of gives him the side eye. Uh, we get more dancing cutaways to the unintroduced woman dancing along with Cindy and Renee. But uh, in our main scene here, Renee and Cindy take turns sucking Paul's cock. We then cut to Cindy riding Paul's cock cowgirl as he licks her breasts and Renee rubs her ass and joins in on the tit licking as well. We then cut to Paul on top of Renee, fucking her as Cindy awkwardly rubs both of their asses. 
Renee demands it harder, and Paul uh, agrees uh, and gives it to her harder. Good. How much harder would you say? Uh, not a lot, like but a, slightly. Like a 2% increase, maybe? Maybe. All right. Sometimes people want it harder, but you're like, I'm going as hard as I can, man. <laughs> you know? Paul licks Cindy's ass a bit as Renee rubs her clit, and then Paul starts to fuck Cindy doggy style. Eventually, Paul pulls out and comes on Renee's face as she licks his tip. The beeps of the music master drone on oppressively. (laughs) Yeah, the music master rules us all in the future. Yes. We're all slaves to its narcotic gas and infectious rhythms. Everybody's all up in arms about AI now, but we need only go back to the 80s and realize that the music master's been pulling the strings the whole time. Yeah. The music master, he plays quite the tune. (laughs) So then we move on to our second segment, titled Pickup. This features Mark and Lily, that being Mark Monroe and Lily Marlene, again from The Young Like It Hot. Yes, she's, um, okay, yeah, 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 she's got the, kind of like the, the bigger jaw. Okay, yeah. yes, I'm definitely remembering her from the film now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yes. So in our yeah. interview segment setting this up, uh, Kurt asks Lily what kind of man she prefers. She says she prefers a perverse man. Uh, Kurt notes that she had written down someone more cerebral, and she says that, uh, well, ideas mean more than uh, physical. And uh, we cut to Mark her partner in this scene, uh, talking to Kurt about how he is aroused by leather. Uh, Lily notes that she likes to rim a man. Hmm. Uh, Mark loves riding motorcycles, and Lily likes water sports. Yeah, they uh, they do talk quite a bit about water sports. They do. Take a mile of piss to see her pussy. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, it's all big talk. Yeah. So we see Lily with another woman who's walking her dog. Lily says she has to pee, so she squats by the waterfront with her friend blocking the view. At this point, a bunch of bikers pull up and make Lily quickly wrap up. Don't know why she didn't go a couple feet to the left behind the giant bush. Yeah, who knows? (laughs) Uh, The bikers are being rowdy, yelling at the dog, who runs up to them, and they try to get the dog to drink some beer. Yeah, dogs love beer. (laughs) So, at that point, Lily and Mark start making eyes at one another, Mark being one of the bikers. Yeah, uh, the dog's name for everyone, it's Randy. Oh, yeah. Randy the dog. That's one of the notes I took. Lily walks up to Mark and asks him to take her for a ride. He asks where to. She asks, can you fuck standing up? Hell yeah. Well, I know somewhere we can go then. So Lily climbs on the back of Mark's bike and they take off. Uh, The lady left behind calls her dog back over to her. Back in an interview segment, Kurt asks why uh, Mark likes to be picked up by someone else. And he says that it's just nice to feel picked up and be the one who's the object of desire. They walk into a house together. Mark asks if it's her place and she says it's ours. She clarifies it's her and her husband. Mark asks if her husband knows that she brings strange men there and fucks them standing up. So we get some cutaways to a guy playing piano. 
apparently her husband. Yes, White Ray Charles. Yeah. There's a Rolling Stones poster in the background. It's a it's an interesting like Rolling Stones like uh it's just like their logo. Mhm. Uh, and like a little kind of like a design, but it's very much like not like the sort of aesthetic you would associate with them generally. It yeah. feels like more gothic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, back to White Ray Charles. He's just playing away at his piano and his sunglasses. Yeah. Uh, in a cutaway interview segment, Kurt asks Mark about the best position for standing up and fucking. And he talks about having a lady lay back on a counter while he fucks them standing up. Back at the house, Lily asks when uh, Mark last washed his arms. He complains that he wasn't expecting all of this to happen today. Mark asks why Lily wants to fuck standing up, and she says it's because missionaries for beginners. They grind against each other and make out as they undress and fondle one another. Uh, the piano man keeps playing his songs. Mm-hmm. When Mark's jeans are unzipped, Lily gets down and starts sucking his cock. In another interview segment, Mark talks about the intimacy of talking during sex. But back in the scene, Mark asks what else she likes to do, if she likes to get fucked doggy style. And at that point, the phone rings. She says, that must be Cheryl, and Lily goes to answer the phone. So Cheryl was the lady she was with at the park. Yeah. Cheryl asks Lily if she took that stranger home, and immediately asks, did did you suck him standing up? (laughs) What about your husband? As Lily's on the phone, Mark comes up behind her and kisses her. He asks if that's really her husband up there, and Lily says that after he finishes playing that piece, they have 30 seconds, so they continue to make out. Uh, Lily's pulled the phone away from her head uh, and doesn't hear Cheryl on the other end, who says, Well, your dog made a mess on my couch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Randy shit the fucking couch, man. Uh <laughs> I believe, per the credits, this song is a uh, Beethoven. Okay. A Beethoven piece. Uh, the part of the conceit of this film is that each segment was like set to like some popular tune. Okay. And in my head, I don't know why I was assuming it was going to be like American like folk tunes, like Camp Town Races or John <laughs> Jacob, you know, stuff like that. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I, I didn't know. Maybe some uh, turkey in the straw. You know that one? It's like, do 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 You know, well, I'm not a musician, obviously. But all the same, it just seems a pop, I guess, like popular tune just means whatever was in the public domain. Yeah. So we cut to an interview that Mark reveals in all surprise that he likes to get blown. On a couch, Lily's sucking Mark's cock more as he reaches behind her ass and plays with her vagina. We then see Mark sitting on the couch as Lily straddles his lap and rides his cock reverse cowgirl. Uh, In another interview cutaway, Lily is uh, asked if she's Lily's asked if it's comfortable for her to get fucked in the ass, and she says yes. Uh, We cut back to the scene, and we see Lily face down on the couch, briefly getting fucked anally. Hmm. We get a voiceover of her talking about how she's sexually attracted to macho men, but wouldn't want a relationship with one. Mark goes down on Lily more, then starts to fuck her missionary a bit. 
slowly as he slowly as she licks his shoulder. Mark pulls out and strokes to come on Lily's bush, and she rubs his cum into her skin. You know what I gotta say? Mark is a greasy load. <laughs> greasy some, load? It just looks greasy. I don't know. There's something to it. Okay. It's got like an extra sheen over like the, the cum sheen, you know? Okay. Extra slick. <laughs> you know, put it in your hair to style it. Oh, yeah. Like uh, like the fawns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we hear the piano end, uh, the piano song end, and Lily tells Mark, that's it, and they scramble to get dressed. And then we move on to our next segment, Little Egypt. Peter and Mantra? Yes. Mothra? Peter is Peter Shepard, and uh, Mantra is Karen Sweet, who has been in a few things. But uh, not a lot of things. Only a few things. Nothing we've covered. No. Uh, actually, it's only three things, so we may never cover her again. Good. Her name seemed uh, familiar, but I was wrong. You thought it was Mothra, too. I thought it was Mothra, yes. Think about Batra. It's <laughs> the other one. I think it's also a moth, though. It's not a bat. Well, that's fucked up. Uh, that's, yeah. You're telling me. So in interview, Peter's asked if his fantasies are always about incest, and he says that he always wanted a sister. Says that a brother and a sister know so much about each other. He talks about how in Egypt, brothers and sisters would get married. I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Mantra says that incest isn't her fantasy, but she got into it in this scene because he was into it. So we start the scene proper. Peter and Mantra are in full costume doing full high school acting with very theatrical accents. I love it. I love how much like uh, detail went into the scene, just creating like this little set and everything. Yeah. Uh, I love their costumes. I love her awful wig. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just like a terrible black wig, like the lowest quality, and they just braided it up a bit. Yeah. Um delightful the first time in this film that i'm like really excited to be watching it <laughs> peter explains that they've been excused from the evening's events with their family he calls out for a servant to bring them wine they talk about looking in a mirror or at each other mantra says that he should shave his beard and peter's got an attitude and mantra's giving it right back to him uh, the servant, after bringing them wine, is peeping on them. Yeah, he's a little cuck slave. <laughs> he has to hide behind the pillar and like just kind of, kind of goon the whole time. <laughs> Peter says that the priest said that the floods were the gods being angry. As they pour wine, Peter notes that he heard about this new drug called cannabis. Yeah, it's from Scythia. It's much more exciting than wine. It doesn't cloud your head. I don't. I disagree. It clouds your head in a different way. Yeah. When I, it like kind of like blows my brain apart. Yeah. <laughs> so like sometimes like immediately after I get high, I feel like it's impossible to like focus. Yeah. But uh, sometimes it hyper focuses me. I don't know. Yeah. It, it can go either way. It's, it's uh, especially depending on your, your sativas and your indicas. I'm more of a sativa guy. I need like my brain to feel kind of like it's on fire <laughs> to keep this engine rolling, you know? Fair enough. I'm like an old train. Mantra. They're decommissioning me. <laughs> Damn it. 
Mantra complains about the heat ruining her makeup and starts to undress. Peter grabs her and tosses her into bed, and they playfully wrestle around, then chase each other around the room. In an interview cutaway, Mantra talks about the excitement of seduction. We see Peter going down on Mantra, then fingering her as she sucks his cock. In another cutaway to the interview, Mantra says that she hasn't tried bondage or S&M. We see Mantra on top of Peter and Cowgirl. They laugh together and Mantra sucks Peter's cock more. They wrestle around a bit more and Mantra says she's going to make him cry and he says she was always the one who cried. So Peter gets on top and fucks her more and we see them wrestle around a bit more with her slapping his ass and then him fucking her more missionary. We then cut to them standing and growling at each other before making out more and that's the end of the scene. Yeah. That's that's how brothers and sisters are. They just have that connection. I guess so. Yeah. We then move on to the next scene, titled Communion, starring David and Lisa, that being David Habib and Liza Windsor. I don't know them. Lisa says the first idea she had for a scene was the whole Catholic guilt thing. She likes the sense of the forbidden in sex. Hmm. People listening to her playing with herself. David says a lady playing with herself really arouses him. Well, that's that's good. We see Lisa playing with herself uh, in a shot from the scene with a nun and priest listening at the door. Lisa says she's aroused by the idea of people listening to her and coming in right at the end when it's too late to stop. So we then start the scene proper. Lisa's writing in her diary. She says... She has to stay in her room today because she was late to Mass. Sister Teresa and Father O'Reilly want her there forever, and to be a virgin forever, but she wants to live her life and become a woman. It's at that point that we see David appear in her room, having climbed in the window. She asks why he came up there, and he doesn't give a real answer. Uh, He looks like a real Guido. (laughs) He has got a big unibrow and like a little greasy mustache <laughs> he's uh he looks like the kind of guy who'd be uh, flipping pizzas on a saturday night <laughs> flipping pizzas yeah you flip them right you toss them i guess yeah you toss them you toss them i think you usually say you flip burgers because while you're cooking them you flip them over you could flip a pizza but it might make a mess <laughs> <laughs> She asks David what he thinks is going to happen if he gets caught, and he shrugs his shoulders. He tells her to come with him, and she tells him not to go, and they start to make out. A nun is listening outside the door, and we see Lisa in bed playing with herself. David climbs up from the bottom of the bed and kisses her chest and face. He works his way down her body and then starts to lick her clit. As she moans, the nun listens more intently. David mounts her missionary as we hear some voiceover. David says he likes fucking a woman when she's on her back. Lisa talks about how in this scene she wants to get caught fucking missionary. After all, it's her first time. This is her initiation into sex, and he's the one liberating her built-up lust. Yeah, she's learning the mysteries of the flesh. Yes. Uh, This one should be set to that Billy Joel song. Uh, only the good die young. Oh yeah, yeah. It's about uh, it's about a Catholic girl. They start much too late. Yeah, 
some say it's better and I say it ain't. I'd rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints. Only the good die young. Yeah. I think that's how that goes. <laughs> well, the priest has joined the nun at the door listening, and we get some slow-mo shots back and forth between them listening and the couple fucking. Eventually, David pulls out and comes on Lisa's belly. The nun and priest bust into the room, and David and Lisa jump out of bed naked and climb out the window. And while we don't see this, Lisa says that in her fantasy, they climb out the window, jump on his bike, and take off in the rain. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it just was kind of like dry when they were shooting the film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Next is Museum Piece, starring Hank and Betsy. That being uh, Betsy Boudoir and Hank Heathcliff. Okay. Probably not real names. No, probably not. We see Betsy's naked body, her caressing herself. Uh, Again, we get some interview segments. They talk about public sex. Betsy fantasizes about fucking a bus driver. Hank mentions the fun of trying to do it without being noticed. We start the scene and Betsy walks into the room with an umbrella and sets it aside. Hank is apparently leading a tour around this museum. Betsy's showing herself around the room. Elsewhere, Hank is showing a weird diorama about sacrifice, noting it's about love. It's about puppets. Uh, Puppets. Yeah, indeed. Betsy looks at a weird devil puppet that moves on its own. Yeah, the whole movie should just be like weird (laughs) shit like this. Yes. They should have let Kurt McDowell have more control. Yeah. (laughs) Hank is talking about the ritual sacrifice uh, that includes lovemaking. Meanwhile, Betsy kisses the devil puppet. Yeah, she licks it, I think. Truly. (laughs) Uh, Hank is in the middle of an explanation when Betsy walks into the room and Hank immediately locks eyes and freezes for a few seconds before finishing his sentence. We see Betsy get down and crawl her way under the table that Hank is standing behind. Hmm. She reaches up and unzips his pants and starts to suck his cock as the museum goers continue to look at the diorama and ask questions. Yeah, much like in Ladies' Night, which... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, with uh, Paul Thomas, who's our bartender, who's just getting... Herschel Savage, I Herschel think. Savage, yes, yes. Betsy sucks his cock more. Uh, apparently, they can just touch all over the exhibits because that's what these people are doing. Yeah, most museums now... This is before museums went woke. I'll say. <laughs> now they don't even want you to take pictures of this stuff. They're like, your flash damages the oil, it's degrading it, and it costs us millions to keep it fresh. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Hank tells the crowd that it's time for the museum to close and suggests that they can find their own way out. They leave as Betsy continues to suck him. In an interview, Betsy notes that she's into DS as a submissive, although she may experiment with dominance from time to time. We then cut to a shot of Betsy in lingerie, shackled by all four limbs, with Hank approaching her with a crop. We then cut to Betsy and Hank, still clothed, sitting down on the museum bed. Yeah. Uh, She pulls his cock out again and starts to suck him. He reaches over and plays with her vagina as well. We see Hank licking and sucking her nipples. So we keep getting cutaways to like two scenarios here. Right. We have them 
like just doing a thing in the museum, but we also have this weird DSS and M scene going on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's their fantasy within what they wanted to be their fantasy. It's a fantasy within a fantasy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I like it. I like. I don't. Uh, Betsy's not a big name, I imagine, but uh, she's pretty attractive. Yeah. I'm a. I'm a fan of her. I like this whole scene, and yeah. uh, I like the. Uh, fantastical elements of it with the uh the bdsm stuff this is betsy boudoir's only credit of course it is also hank heathcliff's only credit well that's fine uh hank goes down on betsy a bit in the bed and then in the other scenario unshackles betsy pulling out a selection of penetrative sex toys in various shapes hank licks her ass a bit holding one of the toys in the original scenario, Hank is still eating her out, but uh, chained up Betsy gets a plug pushed into her ass. Non-chained Betsy sucks Hank's cock. Chained Betsy sucks a dildo as Hank rubs her plugged ass, and then she starts to fuck herself with the dildo. Unchained Betsy rides Hank's cock cowgirl a bit and sucks his cock more before going back to riding. Chain Betty rubs her clit and labia with a chain. Then we see Hank with her legs pinned up, fucking her hard from on top. He pulls his cock out and comes on her pubes and stomach. Then we see him in the other scenario, fucking her mouth a bit, and he pumps out a load in her mouth and on her chin. They have a creamy, snowball-y make-out afterwards as we end this scenario. Great. I like this one. This is another one uh, I really liked in this. Yeah. Yeah. Now what's what's next? What what else do we have in this? Next we have our final scene. No. Oh. Which is Teacher's Pet. This stars uh Steve and Patty. So this is Steve Milestone, who is only in this film, alongside Patty Perrier, who is only in this film. We see Steve carrying a notebook walking up to a door. And in an interview segment, Steve is asked if he's fantasized about fucking his teacher before, and of course he has. We see Steve inside with Patty. He apologizes for being late. In an interview, Patty says she teaches high school P.E. and history in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in scene, Patty notes that she doesn't usually invite her students over, but he's special. Like he's like in her special class? Perhaps. Oh. In the interview, Steve is asked what he likes about teachers, and he says it's the older age. They're more experienced. She doesn't look in much older or any older than him. No, for she sure She has sort of like a doll-like face, even. Yeah. It makes her look younger. In the scene, Patty asks what he's most interested in in her class, and he says, the teacher. She doesn't believe it, but he says it's true. In the interview segment, Patty notes that she's been approached by handsome boys in her class, but she just acts shy. In scene, she's not shy, as she undoes Steve's belt and starts to suck his cock. Patty decides that the first lesson she wants to teach is to take off her clothes. She's most comfortable that way, she says. The camera zooms out and pans over to show a guy on the crew watching from a chair nearby. We cut to them in bed, and another crew guy is just standing in the background. 
Patty and Steve flirt a bit more, and she unbuttons his shirt and asks him to return the favor. Patty leans back, and Steve leans over to examine her pussy. But we then cut to Patty sucking his cock as basically all of the crew is swarming around them. Yeah. Yeah. We've broken through the fourth wall. Yes. We then see Steve in front of Patty uh, in only a jockstrap. In another interview cutaway, Kurt mentions Steve put down maybe next to water sports on the questionnaire. Kurt asks what Steve's limit is there, and Steve says, Well, I've only been water skiing. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he understood the question? Probably not. All right, great. Uh, Steve starts to go down on Patty. This goes on for a bit, and after that we see them standing and making out. Then Steve holds Patty up in the air and starts to eat her out as her legs are sitting on his shoulders as he's standing up. He's very strong. He is. He has the body of a man who mostly goes water skiing and isn't deviant enough to know what water sports are. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he seems to start losing grip, but lays her down on the bed before he starts to fuck her missionary. We then see Steve fuck Patty's mouth a bit as she plays with herself. She sucks and strokes him more, and he eventually erupts with a big load on her face and lips. Mm-hmm. And gives her, like, a little like a little milk mustache. Yes. Patty is asked in an interview about sperm. She says that it doesn't put her off. She's asked if she's not attracted to it. And she says, well, I swallow it. <laughs> we then cut to our credits with shots from earlier and some extra shots of the crew and behind-the-scenes stuff. Attracted to sperm. Yes. And that was Little Show-Offs, a little experimental film vignette collection. I like them on, a, I like them on an individual level, but not as a group. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we'll get into that a bit more when it's time for our favorite segment that I'm not going to name right now. Yeah, because if you step on my bit, you know what's going to happen to you. Don't you dare. Don't you... Oh. I've cocked my fucking hammer. Shit. Yeah. Well... We're going to have to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on little show-offs. We have to defuse this crisis. The... The one I've instigated, yes. <laughs> Fair enough. sets them apart from other people it's head stuff it's yeah. like um i have fan- lots of fancies about people like abraham lincoln einstein <laughs> martin luther king well if we can't come President up with, Kennedy. <laughs> with any of those since they're all you know yes, dead. All, dead. <laughs> all right we're back on the raincoat report and it's time once again for <laughs> the raincoat review <laughs> Hi. Hi. They really showed off in this one. They really did. Uh this was a it was a pretty uh a pretty interesting experiment to have mostly uh amateurs come in and kind of film their their limited sexual fantasies. It does seem like some things were off limits even though they were on the surveys. Like the water sports. There was no water sports. Why bring it up so many times? That's fair. Why? They're teasing me. I want to see that gold. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, I would say uh, we have seen like we've seen more like vignette films before, like. But this is, I guess, more straight up like an anthology in the uh, the classic sense. As it involves like all different characters in a a wide range of scenarios. Most of them are pretty simple, as you might have guessed by our descriptions of them. Yeah, it was uh, it was no Bible. No, it was no Bible. Though two did stand out, and those ones were probably closer to Bible. Um, That's fair. S- speaking, of course, of uh, Little Egypt and the museum piece. Okay. Yeah, those ones had more of a uh, a fantastic element to them that the others lacked. They're, uh, maybe other people's imaginations are a little more down to earth. I think that you, while it might not be a highlight to you, I yeah. think that you should give credit to uh, the music master. Oh, of course. Sorry. As a, as a fantastic uh, scene. Yeah. As far as it being a uh, fantastical device. Yeah, I love the music master. I was, at first maybe I thought like the music master was going to dictate everything. Yeah. Because he's the music master and the thing was supposed to be based around music. But, uh, yeah, if anything, they underutilized Music Master. I think that there's a lot of meat still on those bones for yeah. us to, a uh, lot of buttons to sequelize pr- a feature out of it. Yeah, there's a lot of buttons to press on that machine. Yeah, they've only pressed one. Yeah. Um, but even, like, the rest of that scene is kind of a bit more, like, just like a standard, like, uh, like male-female-female sex scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, uh, the film does bogged down a bit and it's kind of standard sex scenes like they try to vary things up but without much narrative to some of the vignettes they start to feel kind of samey that's fair after a little bit uh i do appreciate like the variety that they chose from but uh, i do think there were also ways those could have been exploited more yeah but maybe little egypt and building the music master really ate up the budget (laughs) you know so I, i i'm not sure uh, but it is to say, like, it isn't a very uh, a unique idea for a film, like I said, to get these amateurs together and kind of film them in uh, these explicit scenes. And it's not really a surprise that they're not, like, the best at it necessarily because they are, after all, amateurs. They're not practicing these moves at home in, right. between, in between shoots, you know. Um, they don't know, like, necessarily how to get what looks best on camera. Right. But uh I can forgive that in the in the pursuit of novelty. And uh I think this one delivers on that. I'd say it's quality level, it's probably more of a uh, creep show too than a creep show. That's fair. Uh but I at the end of the day I, I would give it uh about three and a half stars. I think it's a worthy watch. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to it. Yeah. But uh what brings it down at the end of the day is it's kind of a uh, repetition. Sure. I think if they had stepped out a bit more in what was featured, um, that kind of thing, even adding non-white people might've been like a more interesting mix for some of it. That's fair. Uh, cause it is 1980 at this point. Uh, so there's a lot that could have been done with this. I think it's like a very, as I said, unique concept, definitely worth a watch. Yeah. Uh, I think, is this similar to, uh, we haven't covered it yet, but, uh, uh, Wakefield pools take one. Isn't that like a similar, I think there's like, he has one that's kind of like 
intervening people about their fantasies and kind of. I think you're right. Fuck. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, so yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I think that concept. might be right. Yeah, um, that's one we'll have to look at in the future. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this for uh, what it was. I do think it has some shortcomings, but overall, I, I feel like I could recommend it uh, to you, the listener. <laughs> Well, I uh, I agree. I liked it. Uh, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it's definitely a very low budget affair. Mm-hmm. But what I really appreciated about it was the intercut with the interview segments. Yeah, it, those were those were good. It it had people talking about uh, fantasies and sex and all of that mm-hmm. in an interesting way that helped mentally stimulate me in a way that the sex scenes didn't necessarily. Yeah, you're um you're more cerebral. I guess so. I'm just a physical I'm just a wonk. <laughs> but um uh, as my comments uh certainly indicate, I, I appreciated the music master as a sci fi scene. Yeah. Um but uh and, and all of the scenes are uh I think decent um None of them are like super stand out to me. I I'm gonna give it three stars. All right. Uh, I didn't love it, but at the same time, I thought it was still like a fun watch. Uh, it's not something that I'm likely to go back to anytime soon, mm-hmm. but I thought it was interesting. I liked it. I like that it was a collaboration between uh, two classic kind of guys. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Some old cult heroes and uh they pulled it off they sure did and we pulled it off when we watched it yep um <laughs> you know that's what so they called me in high school the little show off because i couldn't <laughs> keep it in my pants <laughs> well uh follow us on instagram and twitter at raincoat report if you want to hear our uh covering of some even lower budget fare uh last friday on patreon uh, follow us at patreon.com slash raincoat report where for five dollars a month you get two bonus episodes each month and uh, ad free episodes and uh, rate review and subscribe to our podcast and uh, if you're going to be a little show off don't forget your raincoat yeah because there might could be water sports could be <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>